Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSane.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me is the the hulkiest of Thor, Captain America's, the Black Widows that I know, and that's Ty Kulik. I'm leaving something out. How are you today, Ty? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm doing good. I was flexing my muscles since this is an audio medium. I'm doing good, and the tournament started today, so I do have a game on in the background, but it is on mute. So I will be fully I'll be fully immersed while we record. Oh, no. I, I, I would love to get, uh, get some highlights. Something I teased a little while ago, and I'm going to call out a few people here, but okay, so... I didn't during the prequel Star Wars movies. There was a huge fan base that, and this is pre Twitter, pre Facebook, but it's when we had what to call it, where Tom was everybody's friend. MySpace. Oh, MySpace, yeah. And so you would get these these long things about how like you know it's not my Star Wars, and they did this and they did that, and it was kind of the beginning of this what you would call this toxic fandom. I know it's been around a lot longer, but social media just supercharged it so i'm like look you like what you like okay if people like something and you don't that's fine that doesn't make you good bad or otherwise but it doesn't make the large number of people that like things bad Mm -hmm. so i kind of got tired of that and then around the time avengers endgame came around the term marvel fatigue started to pop up the uh famously endgame was the one of the first movies on disney plus and then disney plus Mm -hmm. had started to put all these shows on, and it was like, look, if people like it, they like it. But then, Ty, sometime around this time last year, I thought to myself, I think I'm getting Marvel fatigue. I think I agree with you. I think I'm there, too. And I'm a Marvel fan, as we well established. Yeah, and I'm going to, at the end of it, I'm going to talk a little bit about DC and what if what they're trying to do is going to work or not. But I wanted to explore this topic with you a little bit, not go through a list or talk about it, but just... I don't know, have a group therapy session on why I've become the thing that I hate the most. And I want to make this absolutely clear, okay? My son had his birthdays in January, but it's like he, uh, it's so close to Christmas. You know, your birthday's like two weeks before Christmas. Well, and my son's birthday is only 11 days after your son's birthday. So So we've traditionally done like a birthday party (laughs) with him and his friends weeks later. Just so everybody yep. can kind of, and then the pandemic hit, and we haven't done a, a like a b- proper birthday party for him in like four years. So. Our son had his first one since 2020 this year. Yeah, he had his first proper birthday party. So I'm out with all these 13 year old jackasses, and <laughs> they're uh, you know one of these kids. I mean, most of them look like 13 year olds, and then one of them's like five foot eight and like massive. And it's <laughs> I my son has an 11 year old friend who's already six feet tall. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I was like, I, I said, here's my icebreaker to them. I go, what's the worst movie you've ever watched? I'll start first. It's Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And you got to get off that. <laughs> and, and they, <laughs> There's so many wars. Again, I don't think it's great. There are so many. Have you ever seen Birdemic or Troll 2? Or I didn't say the it's Rhythm? the worst movie ever made. It's the worst movie I have seen. Again. Okay. All right. All right. All right. What, <laughs> what I feel. But, uh. No, and so we got to talking about Marvel, and all these kids are like, oh, Marvel's great, I love it. And I'm like, well, I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. So let me ask you this, Ty. You said, and we've made it, you're a big Marvel fan, you know all this mm-hmm. stuff. Did you enjoy Endgame? Parts of it. It was too long. I think Wakanda Forever did a much better job at 
pushing forward female superheroes, whereas Endgame kind of shoved that in our face with... Oh, that one scene. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One scene in that movie. It was a little too long. I liked what they they were going for, but I have this problem with a lot of stuff, and I, I love everything everywhere all at once, but that's over two hours long, and that feels long in moments. Kind of forever I liked, but that's really long. Tar I didn't like, and that's incredible. I'm I'm just I'm at the older I get, I'm losing patience with these long movies. And Endgame was over three hours long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat in a theater and spoiler for people who haven't seen it, but when they were at Iron Man's funeral, I bawled like a baby. I was crying so hard that the young child next to me asked if I was okay. And I told him, Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm just emotional. But there there's some stuff in there that just didn't need to be there, and it almost felt like with the Captain America stuff uh, that they were doing DC and making it too dark. So I would give that movie like a 75% out of 100 if, if you ask me. I bring that one up because Endgame's one of the most impressive films I've ever seen. So, yeah. I, right, and I don't mean from a technical standpoint. I mean from, and let's not kid ourselves, the final or last Avengers movie mm-hmm. or whatever is not three hours long. It's nearly six hours long because it's Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, that's true. So, and we, was, I think it was last fall, we sat with our son to watch the Lord of the Rings movies. But we didn't watch them over three consecutive nights or three weeks or whatever. We watched it over like three months. I mean, oh, we really broke it apart into pieces of it. I think he liked it a lot more that way. And to be honest with you, I have a little bit more of an appreciation. But after going mm-hmm. back and watching it, in the last Lord of the Rings movie, Return of the King, spoiler alert to those who care. I've never seen those movies, but I don't care to see those movies. <laughs> right. so. Famously, the last one, the denouement, the end. There's my there's my closing fedora's <laughs> word for everyone, denouement. Usually, the thing happens, Frodo nearly unwillingly throws the ring in, and all this crap starts happening, and they get picked up by weird bird-like creatures, Frodo and Sam. It goes to Frodo, because he's been through a terrible ordeal, kind of waking up, but beaten and bruised, and all of his friends all happy. And then it cuts to Aragon becoming the king, and then it cuts to Frodo and them all going to elf heaven or whatever the hell that is. And then it cuts to this, and then it cuts to this, and the very last scene is Sean Astin's character, Sam, back home with his wife. He looks tired, he looks older, but he looks like he's content. And it's the last shot of the movie, and it's a great shot. I'm getting, like, goosebumps thinking about it. The problem is, <laughs> from the moment that they get rid of the ring to that, it's like 40 minutes. So, <laughs> That's a lot of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, And I remember when I first saw it in the theater, I'm like, okay, is this the end? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Is this the end? It, it, to me, it was oh, like... when are we? Get, when are they going to get to the fireworks yes, factory scenario? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's almost like the best way I could describe it is... It's like now you have to sit through credits for uh, for whatever the next movie is going to be, uh, mm-hmm. a scene from the next movie, in which I'm going to get to why I have hated that from day one and hate it more today. <laughs> but um, sure. but anyways, they uh, I, when I watch the movies again, I got it. I got it as watching them as a whole big collective thing. You need that ending. You need that payoff. If I'm watching it as best example as a TV series, that's uh. how we watched it. It made sense to me. You tie everything up. But in a movie, okay, I'm sitting in the movie theater. It's dark. My popcorn's gone. I'm getting ready that I have to go pee. I have to do all this stuff. The end of the movie, I just want it to get over. And Mm -hmm. Endgame ended this incredible story, ended this 10 years worth of of plot lines and all this other stuff. And 
and it just kept ending in a lot of the same way. It was like, okay, well, Tony Stark's dead. Here's his funeral. Hey, there's old Captain America. Oh, there's young Captain America back in the 40s dancing or whatever. And don't get me started on why I have so many questions about what he did for the next 60 years. Knowing the terrible <laughs> that's going to happen. <laughs> or it's terrible stuff. Sorry, that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like an ending. Now, I go through all that long thing because I went to go watch that movie in the theater. My wife and kid did not. And I remember when we were going to watch a movie, they're like, let's watch Infinity War. Before we watched it, I spent 20 minutes explaining to them everything that happened at the end of Thor Ragnarok that led to Infinity War. Okay. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they watched it and they got it and all this other stuff. And then we watched Endgame. And then I spent 20 minutes before we watched Endgame to talk about who Ant-Man was, what the Guardians of the Galaxy are, what all this stuff. My point is, they had seen none of those movies. But Mm -hmm. if they just walked in to go see Endgame, which is one of the biggest films ever made, they would have been lost. Yeah. How the hell does this happen? I think it's just because, and I mean, we've talked about it. You talked about it last week with G.I. Joe, how there's comic books. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different comic books. You want to put all these people in your movie to pay to pay fan service to the actual fans, to people like you who read comic books. But then there's people like me. I didn't know who Loki was mm-hmm. when I saw the original Thor movie. I had no idea. It's My son's really into Greek mythology, and he's, oh, Loki, trickster, God. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. But I think they want to put these people in there to pay lip service to the true fans of this stuff. And then when it comes to people like me... I don't know who these people are. I don't know who they're trying to tell me a story of. I don't know. So in Marvel's mind, it's like, well, we're going to make a TV show out of this. And there's too much content in general, but there's just too much stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it. But the only Disney Plus series that I watched from start to finish and almost quit was Loki. Speaking of that, I've seen one episode of the Hawkeye series. I'm not interested to go back. I did not watch Winter Soldier and... um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think I watched like half an episode of that and just thought, I, I know who these guys are now. I I didn't watch Miss Marvel, which I know you like and mm-hmm. a lot of people like out there. But it's just, I don't care enough to watch this stuff. And I'm okay going into a movie like Endgame or whatever they're going to make next and be like, oh, like I had no idea who Captain Marvel was. I watched mm-hmm. that movie and I was like, oh, cool. Oh, okay, Sam Jackson. I know who Nick Fury is. I didn't know anybody else. I didn't know who the supposed bad guys were in that I didn't know anything, but it didn't bug me. But I bet there are some people who watch stuff like that and it bugs them if they don't know who that is. So Marvel, instead of just being like doing that, like you said, doing a disclaimer at the front or like just saying in the synopsis of the movie, this is who this and this is. They decide that they're going to make a miniseries or a movie about this person. And it's just it's becoming too much. And it's it's hard for me to keep up with stuff. And especially like you say, with this Marvel fatigue, that's I'm getting to the point where I, I I remember seeing a, a preview for Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I like Kang, but I had no desire to go see that. No, no, I haven't seen any of the Ant-Man movies. And I, I've seen the first two just because I like Paul Rudd, yeah. but it, I'll just wait and watch it when it's on streaming or when it's on TNT, which I'm sure it'll be on. But I there's too much stuff. That it's like It's like doing homework. Mm-hmm. There's just too much stuff that you have to know going into these, and... You know what I like a movie about John Wick is that it's an action movie about a guy who's out to get revenge. That's all you need to know. They change the characters in every single movie, but every single movie works because it's a simple plot. With these superhero movies, especially in Marvel, there's just too many people involved and it's just getting, it's becoming too much. Well, I think a big problem with the latest, with the Daniel Craig James Bond movies 
is all the James Bond movies were essentially on their own, their own little things. Mm-hmm. There's, I know, early, early on, at the end of one movie, he does get married, and the very beginning of the next movie, she dies. Um, oh. <laughs> but but it was, for the most part, even the Bourne movies, to, to I mean, there's kind of a story you're trying to get to, but they're, they're self-contained movies. And then the Daniel Craig movies, I mean, Casino Royale was great. But yeah, Mads Mickelson cries blood. Uh, yes, people. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they start. They try to have a serialized thing. Yeah, and well, and I think you talked about it, and we've talked about it in a podcast. I think a lot of the toxic culture has to deal with that because Kevin Feige and the people who work at Marvel are so afraid that if they put something out, some troll online is going to come after them and say something about how they're not true fans. So Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel are like, we're going to do everything we can. And I, a series I did watch, She-Hulk. I'll give. Great. I know a lot of people didn't like that finale. I loved the finale because it kind of called out what Marvel's doing with everything. So I think this toxic culture, this fan culture is ruining that for people. Well, let me go back to the beginning because I know a lot of people are saying there is a lot of Marvel stuff before what we're talking about before this era. And it goes all the way back to the very first what we'd call like Marvel media thing outside of a comic book was in 1944. They had a uh, they had like little Captain America shorts, I guess, to help say "Yay U.S. in the war." Yeah. And then, famously, there was the the Japanese Spider-Man live-action TV show. I mean, you can go. Back I didn't and, know that. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they had <laughs> this was the late seventies. And then there was also the uh, the Incredible Hulk, Hulk show, where famously they changed his name from Bruce to David Banner because they felt like Bruce was too gay. That's a true story. <laughs> really? Yes. Is this is this a Lou Ferrigno one? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know they changed <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Banner's the name of a rapper, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and these were all fairly successful. There's also, there's an old, if you go to Disney+, Plus, they have it, the old Spider-Man cartoon, which I think was from the 70s or early 80s. Marvel, though, was still a backseat. This is the same time, the 70s, that Superman is on the big screen. The yeah. the Super Friends are on Saturday morning TV. I mean, Marvel was definitely way behind that. And the only people that anybody knew were the Hulk and, and Spider-Man. That was it. Those were the biggest stars. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, kind of nothing in there whatsoever. And But comic book-wise, in that time period... Marvel is doing really well with the X-Men. They're doing really well with Spider-Man. They're doing really well with G.I. Joe. They're doing well with that stuff, but they just can't seem to hit like the movie, the movie side of it. And then there's some famous, famous stories of Roger Corman made a terrible, and I mean, if you just Google it, people and look up a terrible Fantastic Four movie. I've seen the pictures from it. It looks bad. Yeah. (laughs) And there's also a terrible Captain America movie from that time. Really? And yeah, a lot of it was that people were just trying to get this content out so they could keep the licenses to the properties. But in Marvel as a comic company in the early 90s, I think, declared bankruptcy. It sold off all of its rights to all these different people, which is why until very recently, you could not have uh, the X-Men in a movie that had Iron Man or something in it. Famously, most famously, Sony owned Spider-Man, not Disney. Mm-hmm. So they had to make a deal with them to use in the movie. And then that leads me to this. And again, Ty, this is like 10 years or more after the success of Batman, the movie. Mm-hmm. It's 20 years or more after the success of Superman. They finally get a Spider-Man movie out there. And it does great. It's, it's goofy. Peter Parker is like the kid in the comic, but it's really accessible to new people. 
that are the like, Tobey Maguire one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think a lot of that had to do is you get a really good pop film director like Sam Raimi to do it, and it does well. And then Spider-Man 2, obviously, is just great. I've been telling myself I need to go revisit Spider-Man 3 to see if it's No, bad. you don't need to revisit it. It's <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. Also, I want to say this, too. At the same time, Marvel is selling off some of its other smaller properties like Men in Black, Kick-Ass. I didn't know that was Marvel. Oh, yeah, oh, Kick-Ass, yeah. Kingsman. So they're selling these things off, too, for people to kind of do. But it, it didn't go – well, I shouldn't say it didn't go overboard. They did make X-Men movies, obviously, with mm-hmm. varying degrees of success. They well, did- X-Men, X-Men 1 and 2 are good. 3 mm-hmm. has a terrible ending. Origins Wolverine is awful. The Wolverine's good. And Logan is the greatest superhero movie that's ever existed. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, and oh, First Class is really good, too. Yeah. And the, uh, Blade, though, I also... The Blade was another oh, yeah. one. Uh, they tried to make a few Punisher movies, again, with... And TV shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go, you look at it, and you see the all the movies made for Marvel. And they, there's been tons in there, but none of them were kind of a consistent story. You mm-hmm. did have the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. And then I never saw that. Either. Oh, that is so. <laughs> you know what's weird about that movie? I got to say is it's a terrible film. Except two people: Michael Clark Duncan plays the kingpin, and um, mm. Colin Farrell plays this like assassin named Bullseye. They're both really good. Okay, but, but the whole movie—they're both good. Act. Well, Mark, Michael Clark Duncan, may he rest in peace, was a good actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Colin Farrell's really become a great. Actor. Yeah. No, he's he's had the weirdest career trajectory. Absolutely. <laughs> he goes from when Jeremy Renner was up for the Oscar, talking about how he and Jeremy Renner were at a donkey show the night before, yeah, uh-huh. to gushing over a donkey on stage because it was a nice part of a movie or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But all these movies were kind of their own little separate entities. Even though 20th Century Fox was making Fantastic Four movies and X-Men movies, Sony was making Spider-Man movies, you did not see any of this cross, you know, this uh, this cross-pollinating. And yeah. then Marvel made Iron Man. Actually, I don't think, I think it wasn't, it wasn't Disney at the time. It might have been Paramount or somebody, but they make Iron Man. This is where I think they did everything right. They took a character that no movie's ever been made of. So mm-hmm. the character that honestly, really nobody knows anything about, you know, the diehard comic people might know some, some stuff, but they got an actor who was great in the role. They got a director mm-hmm. that was dedicated to it. They made this tight movie. And in my opinion, probably one of the biggest quote unquote surprises in movie history was at the end when he's at the press conference and he says, yeah, you know what? I am Iron Man. Uh-huh. And it completely changed the game. No secret identities, no trying to hide this, trying to do that. Oh, also a lot of people talk about Marvel has a villain problem. The villain in the first Iron Man movie, angry dude, who mm-hmm. it's a very simple, easy villain that you get a great actor to do. 100%. <laughs> so my problem though, Ty, is after I watch this kick-ass movie thinking, oh, man, there's going to be another Iron Man. It's going to be fun. They have that post-credit sequence. And they're uh-huh. like, oh, we're I don't for- even remember the one from this. It was, it was uh, what's his name, Agent Coulson or whatever, saying, by the way, I'm from this group named S.H.I.E.L.D. There's other people like you, and we're going to go find them. And <laughs> That's right. Yep. At the time, I remember thinking, well, God, this is interesting. And they did, to be fair, that ran that around that time they did the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk movie. There's the Ang Lee Hulk movie too, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but they they did the Edward Norton one to kind of be tied in with everything, and then they did the the Captain America 
But they still were kind of their own movies. Mm-hmm. Till the end of that first Captain America movie, where he wakes up, it's been 60 years later or whatever, and you see Sam Jackson. Oh, there's a Thor movie also. Yeah. So all those movies stood on their own, but they had these little post-credit sequences to show how they all come together. And then the Avengers came out. Now, mm-hmm. this is where I'll end where we talk about this. The Avengers is a great, It's, it's again, it's incredible that they were able I to do this. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm one of those people, I was already getting a little tired of the Joss Whedon snappy, you know, quippy dialogue <laughs> yeah. crap but um well and he's a horrible person too, well yes so. yeah we didn't know that at the time but i'm gonna give credit where credit is due he told a coherent story a tight story with these characters that if you'd sat down to watch the avengers you would not be lost but it helped for the fans that they saw all those other movies uh-huh and honestly that movie changed hollywood because it's it's what made now everything in Star Wars has to connect together. Now everything uh-huh. in in uh, DC has to connect together. But I, I mean, you just said it. You love that movie. What is it about mm-hmm. Avengers when you watch that? Where you like, okay, because you as a kid, you were never big into this stuff. I, you know, famously within my wife, my like my intermediate family, I didn't get into superhero stuff until I met her. We've been together for. Now, we'll be married for 15 years this this June. But I think the thing that I thought was cool about Avengers is, is the first time I saw something like that were these other movies. Because I saw Iron Man. I saw Captain America. I saw Thor. I saw all of these before I saw Avengers. And you bring all these people together. And it worked. And I think what made it even better is I love the Incredible Hulk. And they got a good actor to do it. And yeah. Mark Ruffalo kind of, you know, totally stuck the landing with that. It's different because it was brightly lit. A lot of stuff was done at the daytime. They brought all these people together. I don't know. And I never found myself bored or confused when I watched the first Avengers movie. I just had it was was a great popcorn movie and I had a blast watching it. And I I like that I didn't have to know. I again with that, I had no idea who Loki was at the time. I didn't know what the deal was until my son said, oh, a trickster got I'm like, oh, all right. I kind of get that. But I thought the way that they introduced Loki was pretty perfect in that movie, too. I, it's just, of, of all these movies that have come out with this group, these groups of superheroes, besides, which I'm sure we'll talk about, Captain America Civil War in the second half, I think this was the first one to really do it right and do it properly. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about a, another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested 
or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, around the time that Avengers came out, it was Marvel was like this untouchable machine. It was Mm -hmm. critically acclaimed. If you didn't like it, you were just a contrarian like me, like saying, you know, that Whedon's not that great, but it's uh, (laughs) a... He's not. (laughs) (laughs) They absolutely stick this landing, but they have all these people. I think like famously, they had signed up uh, Jennifer um, Lawrence in the X-Men movies. They signed her for like 10 movie appearances or something. So they're tying all these people up. And you do, you have this well of, of all these comic book stories that you can go to. But again... You know, one of the, I mentioned this last week, too. I'm going to mention it every week, I guess. There's a famous storyline in the Iron Man comics where Tony Stark's an alcoholic, has to get clean, has to get out of it. And that's from, like, the 1970s. So all these people, there's a little throwaway part of Iron Man 2 where he's all drunk or whatever and firing off. Iron Man 2 is a bad movie also. Yes. But everybody's like, oh, they're doing that storyline. Again, we're talking about a movie that came out, Iron Man 2 came out around, like, 2009 or something like that, I think, or 2010. You're talking about a storyline from 30 years ago. Almost 40. Yeah. I'm like, there's, no, this is, people don't, what made the first Iron Man movie so great is it told its own story. Yes, Mm -hmm. it had his original armor in it, but it didn't give us the damn history of the original armor. I'm a fan of the movie Solo. I, I will defend that movie. I like that movie, too. I thought it was a fun watch. But I will say this whole, hey, where did Han Solo get his dice? Where did he get his gun? Where did he get this? It's kind of like, okay, I fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, so this is what they started to go to. They started to tell these these stories that they're trying to feed the comic book fans, but still be a very good you know, pop, uh, pop culture, pop movies or something. Mm-hmm. And then... Along comes James Gunn and makes this little movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. So good. <laughs> and I didn't see the first one in the theater. Neither I'm like, what do I care about Andy Dwyer from The Office and a <laughs> bunch of other no names? Other Like the two people I knew, Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, one's a raccoon and the other says three words. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> so, but what was great about this, and I think what made James Gunn particularly good for this, was... This was a property nobody knew a damn thing about. I'd never even heard of it until the movie came out. And it was strange. And it was very, like, cosmic is the term I always use. Sci-fi. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And he could do whatever the hell he wanted. And I know people were like, it's not the original Guardians team. It's not this. It's not this. He got to take these figures, these people, and do any movie he wanted. Do Mm -hmm. any story he wanted. It did. It worked great. It's still, I think, yeah. you look at these lists, and a lot of people have Guardians of the Galaxy 2 kind of low on the list. I think that's a great I like movie. That. I think both those movies are really good, and what makes those movies good is, like, Andy Dwyer, Chris Pratt is, you know, supposed to be front center of that, but Dave Bautista and Zoe Saldana and Nebula, whatever that Karen Gillen. name is, Karen Gillan, like, they're all what I like about that movie so much, especially in the second one when they bring on Mantis, Pom. Clementif, or however you say her name. Her and Dave Bautista together are the best part. And of course, Rocket and Groot are fantastic in those movies. Again, it was this idea of you can plug in all these little weird comic book things. I mean, in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Howard the Duck is in the background. Uh You, You can plug in these weird things, but kind of tell your own story. The issue is, for the big, big 
Infinity War Endgame, we gotta shove the Guardians of the Galaxy in there now, too. Yep. And it just tonally, it felt weird. It's To, to make Star-Lord do what he did oh, yeah. in that was, was unnecessary. Yeah. Like, Star-Lord only cared about himself, and that's what made those Guardian movies so good. And then all of a sudden, Endgame, he's like, oh, I care about you, uh, whatever Zoe said. I can't, Gamora, I care mm. about you, Gamora, so I'm gonna be mad. It's like, no, that... It, it didn't make much sense to me. No, and I remember going back when we were watching Infinity War, I have to explain to my wife and kid who these people are, okay? Uh-huh. Now, the thing I'll give to Endgame, the thing that I liked about Infinity War, again, spoiler alert, people, what <laughs> they got rid of was all these extra characters, and they kept that mm-hmm. core Avengers group for yep. most of the uh, next movie, which I think worked out really well for it, but... Outside of like Spider Man or something, they don't know who any of these people are. And I think it's like, have you seen Thor Love and Thunder? Yes. A lot of someone with Natalie Portman. Right, right. right. I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I actually think it's a pretty good movie. I actually. It's fine. But I hated the fact, hated, hated, hated the fact that at the end of Endgame, it's a big deal that Thor's leaving with them. And then 20 minutes into Love and Thunder, it's just a big (laughs) joke and they walk away. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm in shape again. I'm going to go back to Asgard or wherever the hell he lives. Now, at the same time, while this is going on, you brought up Logan. You were getting to a point where I think people understood that, especially 20th Century Fox at the time, understood that the people watching these superhero movies are older. They're, uh-huh. It's not so much kids anymore. So we're going to make a grown-up-ass movie like Logan. We're going to get James Mangold to direct <laughs> a superhero movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you could, if if Logan was the first superhero movie you ever watched, you would have not been lost at all. Mm-mm. I mean, it no. told its story. It mm-hmm. very compact. It, it spent its first 15 minutes kind of explaining who these people are and why they are where they are. Now, mm-hmm. if you were a big fan of all the X-Men movies, it was either you hated that movie or <laughs> it gave I, a nice coda to everything. I love X-Men. Those are my favorite. And as you well know, Wolverine Logan is my favorite superhero. And I thought this was the best way to do a movie about, spoiler alert again, Logan dying. Mm-hmm. I thought this was the best way to do it. And you're right. You don't need like, oh, okay. Uh, Patrick Stewart is Professor X. I get that because he's bald, whatever. And Stephen Merchant, his character was fantastic in that movie. Yeah. And the bad guy in that movie was very well spelled out. And Project X or whatever they call her was great because you understood why she was doing what that movie made sense. Even again, to me, who has never read an X-Men comic in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And then you have, uh, I think it was either the year before the same year, but you had Ryan Reynolds Deadpool come out. Such a fun movie. Yeah. And I love Deadpool too. Also. Yes, I do too. I agree. (laughs) But my point is you kind of had, you were able to have these movies existing on the outside. I'm going to talk about what I think is the best superhero movie in a minute, but these other companies saw this happening. And again, we're going to end on DC, but yeah, but these other (laughs) supposed to be about Marvel. (laughs) No, right. But that's, (laughs) this is part of it. You have these, these different kind of worlds, these different movies with these characters that are able to grow into their own. While at the same time, you have this big Marvel Cinematic Universe that needs to feed all of these characters. When you had Logan, you had Deadpool come out. Around the same time, you had a Venom come out, which, Ugh. you know, the people that like those movies, they like those movies. They are definitely their own little weird they, existence. They are weird, yeah. <laughs> and I will say I give a lot of credit to Tom Hardy for not only playing Eddie, I think, is his character, but also doing the voice of Venom. Yeah. And those two might be the greatest on-screen couple in superhero <laughs> history. So, 
I mean, so but they're they're kind of again existing in their own little world. And they got Michelle Williams to be that first movie. I know <laughs> Michelle and Riz Ahmed. He's yeah. the bad guy in the first movie. Oh, I know. These are Oscar winner, Oscar nominees, people. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Hey, two people from Encino, man, just won Oscars. So hell's yeah, they did. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's a weird, wild world out there. Yeah. So you had mentioned this just a little bit ago, but in the same world, the same world building thing, you had Civil War come out. Avengers mm-hmm. 2.5 or whatever. That That is the best use, I think, of all those superheroes together that's ever been put in these movies. Yes, because it was clean and it, it was mm-hmm. understood. You knew where everybody was. They introduced, very importantly, they introduced Spider-Man and Black Panther. Black Panther, yep. Now, Black Panther... It goes out to make its own movie. And so good. It goes so back good. it goes back to what I was saying about Guardians of the Galaxy or even the first Iron Man movie. It was its movie. Mm-hmm. It was its own world, its own characters, its own motivations. And I swear to God, I think that's a big reason why that movie was so successful. Well, Ryan Coogler knew what to do with those actors too in this whole like they got the perfect cast, the perfect director, and the perfect writing room for that movie. Logan is my favorite superhero movie, but I think Black Panther might be the best superhero movie. I agree, actually. I really do. I've Before I watched Wakanda Forever, I watched Black Panther again. And it's, it's I mean, movie holds up incredibly. It makes it even more tragic thinking about yeah. how young Chadwick Boseman was when he passed. Well, and just like I said at the, you know, in the first half of this, Wakanda Forever did. And I, I know people have their issues with that. I really like that movie. And I think they, that movie has done the best job of portraying female superhero characters. It wasn't shoved in your face. It slowly came about that Shuri was going to become the new Black Panther. And Lupita Nyong'o is there to help out. And she has her son, but she has to take care of him. And Angela Bassett gave her life to take care of, I believe, the superhero is called Ironheart. Now. Yeah. Riri is the name of the character in the movie. But I think Wakanda Forever did a very good job of not jamming it down your face like that one scene in Endgame where you have Captain Marvel and whoever the hell else there and and Black Widow and all these. Avengers Endgame did it wrong. Wakanda Forever did it right. The One thing I'll say about Wakanda Forever, and this is where I think the kind of, I don't, again, Marvel fatigue or whatever. I, I think they're painting themselves into a corner they can't work their way out of. Now, do they have the, to make any more after this stuff? Well, here's, you know, they're going to be still making Marvel movies because they make a lot of money. But here's where I think part of the issue is, is that I think Civil War worked out so well because who better to fight than each other? I mean, these yeah. are the these are the most heroes. powerful beings around. And then Infinity War and everything leading up to it said, OK, this is such a such a big bad guy that we all need to band together. And look, there's. From being in the theater to seeing this, just to watching it with my wife and kid, that moment where they all come out of those portals to fight Thanos is one of the greatest film moments of my lifetime. It's great. It's mesmerizing and memorable. It's awesome. It's I mean, when you hear him say on your left and then Captain America gets a shield and says Avengers Assemble, that's a that should be shown at every movie like award show for the rest of time. Yeah. They earned that moment. They got it. They beat this just world universe ending, you know, bad guy. And instead of coming back, instead of pulling it back a little bit, everybody's a universe ending bad guy uh-huh. now that it loses it. And that was my issue with Wakanda forever is that, okay, I, I thought the story of the rest of the world wanting Wakanda's vibranium was a good story. I thought it sure. was a good story, this Wakanda versus the world. But now all of a sudden you realize there's a whole nother civilization like Wakanda. So it's like, 
okay, you have that. And then at the same time, and this is what I'm going to totally give to Wakanda forever. There's no show that introduced Talakan or uh, Namor or any of that uh-huh. stuff. And you want to yeah. talk about one of the dumbest comic book characters in history is rad Namor. In that movie, dude. And they did great. So no, rad. they did so good yeah. in that. But now you've got, okay, Wakanda's the most powerful nation on earth, except this is their equal. And so it's like, okay, there's that. And then now they introduce Kang in in the Loki series, but now mm-hmm. he's in Ant-Man Quantumanium or whatever. And now he's the universe-destroying villain. And then you have, I mean, I can't remember who Captain America or the Winter Soldier and all that show. And even Ms. Marvel, all of these people in all these different shows. Like, this was, I think, the thing that annoyed me about Wakanda forever. It's a small thing. But all of a sudden, oh, look, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in a Marvel show or mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, You probably had no idea that she was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No, I knew she was in the Black Widow movie because we watched that in, okay. during quarantine. So I saw her at the end of that when she goes with Florence Pugh's character. But I had no idea she was in that show. Yeah. And it's building up to this. Uh, God, you guys can come at me. I can't remember its name, but it's <laughs> like it's it's mean Avengers or it's it's, uh, it's Dark uh, Avengers. probably. It, yeah. Kind of like <laughs> it's uh, it's Suicide Squad group. Is. Okay. Yeah. And you look at the list of the people that are in there. OK, you have the Winter Soldiers in there and you have Florence Pugh from Black Widow. Black Widow. Julie Louise Dreyfus's character plays the Nick Fury of that group. But then you have David Harbour from Black Widows also on there and the bad guy from oh. the second Ant-Man movie. And it's like, I haven't seen 90% of this crap. <laughs> so why well, am I going to go to the movies to see it? No, and just to continue with what you're saying, like my whole issue with this stuff too is I don't think Marvel has a villain problem, but when Age of Ultron came out, Ultron was the baddest villain that you're ever going to see. It's like, oh, okay. And then Thanos, he's the baddest villain you're ever going to see. All right, pardon me. It was Ultron, and then for me, it was Ronin from Guardians of the Galaxy, and then it was Thanos, and now it's Kang. It's like, who's going to be next? Because these guys keep getting, these villains keep getting more and more powerful, but the same superheroes I keep seeing over and over again find some way to beat them. So I don't necessarily think they have a villain problem. It's just, how are you going to make, what villain did Stan Lee create that's going to be more powerful than Kang? I I have no idea. Galactus. Oh, well, see, you know, and for for reference to those that don't know what I'm talking about, Galactus, or he's called like the world devourer or something is this giant dude with like purple clothing and a weird purple helmet. And he was portrayed in the second Fantastic Four movie. They portrayed him as some weird, ugly CGI cloud trying to eat Earth. But how's that any different than Starro from Suicide Squad? Right. And because <laughs> It's it's a cool, bad villain, but also kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. Yeah, like Starro in yeah. Suicide Squad. Before I get, because I want to get an end on James Gunn and DC, you know, part of the issue, as I said, you have all – the way my wife puts it is you have homework. Yeah, To see these movies, you got to do homework. Yeah. And you go in there, and look, people can say, hey, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch any of them. Stop complaining about it. But I've watched a lot of these Marvel shows. Like I, yeah. you said, I, you, had, I, you watched more than I have. Yeah, I thought WandaVision was really good. I liked Falcon yeah, I and like Winter. That. I liked Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ms. Marvel, I think, is the best one they've had so far. I've just started She-Hulk. I watched all of, um, what was the one before She-Hulk? I can't even remember now. Loki? Yeah, I watched Loki. I watched uh, oh, What Hawkeye? If. 
Hawkeye. Yeah, I didn't watch. Uh, yeah, of, I, didn't, yeah. I watched one episode of What If, and I couldn't get into that either. I watched all those shows, and they all have their their value to me, one way or the other. But then I go back and I think I see these movies coming, and they're going to have this, and they're going to have Haley, uh, what's her name from Hawkeye. It's going to be the new Hawkeye, and they're going to have this Marvels movie that's going to have a character from WandaVision, Ms. Marvel, and Captain Marvel. And it's, well, it's like, like Doctor Strange, the new Doctor oh, Strange yeah. also has a bunch of different stuff going on. Yeah, and it's like even to the point when they did the last Spider-Man movie, which I think was really good. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but if you're not that invested in the Doctor Strange universe. You're going to be lost. Absolutely. And it's like it's a Spider-Man movie, people. This is one of the big complaints about the book of Boba Fett, which I completely agree with. And that's a show I like. That's a show I'm going to be the the dork <laughs> defending. That, sh- that show got good when the Mandalorian. But that's up. exactly it. It, it, was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh, here's this Boba Fett adventure and stuff like that. And then like, hey, remember the Mandalorian? Let's go over here for three episodes. So- and I will say the thing about Boba Fett, it got shoehorned in that hole. You could tell it was filmed during like yeah. heights of the pandemic because there are scenes where it is just him, yes. just the guy playing Boba Fett. And that's fine. But for somebody who doesn't know Star Wars like you, when Mandalorian showed him like, all right, I'm in. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let's and so <laughs> saying that, there's I haven't watched started to watch the new season of The Mandalorian yet. We've only watched the first episode in my mm-hmm. house. But yeah. I know I know the the end of the second season. Again, spoiler alert. It's very emotional. He takes his helmet off to say bye to baby Yoda, to go off to train with Luke and it's like, "Oh man, and he's going to go and reclaim his his people's planet and he's going to go kick butt with the dark saber." And then you watch the first episode of the new one and go, hey, here's a Mandalorian in a new ship back with baby Yoda. And it's like there's people I know that only watch the Mandalorian and they're like, Mm -hmm. what the heck is happening? So I have to explain to them, well, if you watch episodes five through eight of the Book of Boba Fett, then it's going to explain all this. They're like, and they look at me and they're like, why the hell do I got to watch the Book of Boba Fett? I stopped doing homework the moment I graduated from my career at college. I don't want to do homework as an adult. Yeah. So this is where I'm going to end it, Ty. Mm-hmm. it's obvious that I'm like, okay, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out in about six weeks here that I will Their go holiday to. special was great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I will go see that Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movie when it comes out. I'm a little upset with myself that I didn't see Wakanda Forever in the theater, especially that yeah. last big fight on the ocean. I want, it was I wish, great, but yeah. look good on my TV at my house. So. But I'm not going to go see Ant-Man Quantumanium. I'll I'm, watch it when it's streaming. Yeah. I will go see the new Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse movie because I think that's a damn comic book movie that told its own damn story and told it really, really well. That is completely separate. And along with Logan, Black Panther, that Into the Spider-Verse, that first one is an achievement. Yeah, but they tried. And look, they've been trying this for a long time. After uh, Avengers, DC was like, we're going to have... I mean, hell, they introduced their new Batman, Ben Affleck, in a Superman movie. Okay? He didn't even get his own movie. Batman yeah. v Superman was that first movie. Really? And yes. With the huh. bat fleck. He was in the crappy Suicide Squad in a little throwaway scene. And they so they're trying to build this whole universe. And I think DC, it's even worse. Marvel, people have always said Marvel is normal people getting powers. It's Spider-Man has an accident or Tony Stark is really, really smart and can do this. And then it introduced some of these godlike characters. But for the most part, most of your characters are the Hulk. They're normal people that get accidents. Mm-hmm. DC is gods. 
the scene is actually in both versions, the terrible Whedon Justice League and the, depending upon who you are, what you think, the <laughs> eight and a half hour Zack Snyder <laughs> version. But there's a really good scene where it shows where Wonder Woman's telling Batman about the first time the big bad came to Earth and all the gods of the world got together. And that's what it is. They're gods. And so James Gunn is brought in to be the Kevin Feige of DC. I know there's another guy too, but James Gunn's the name everybody knows. Yeah. And he released this big, like, five-minute thing about what the plan is for DC over the next few years. And he leans in this idea of these are going to be gods. You know, these are going to, we're going to really lean into uh, these characters as just bigger than anything we've ever seen, which I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then he lists off about five projects, Ty, I've never heard of. <laughs> okay. I get back to, and I'm already thinking, Jesus Christ, by the time they get to the Superman movie or the Batman movie that I want to actually see, mm-hmm. am I going to have to see 10 hours worth of this DC comic that ran for 20 issues <laughs> back in 1984? Yeah, I wonder if that shark from the new Suicide Squad is going to get his own TV yeah. show. Or the rat lady will get her own TV show. I, which I will say, I think in that Suicide Squad... They did a good job of explaining those characters, but I don't know much from Marvel. I know nothing from DC besides Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, no, well, those are three that pop off at the top of my head. No, and they've been able to do some things in DC that I don't think they could have done in Marvel. The Joker. The, I the, hate that movie though. But but they were <laughs> able, the point is they were able to kind of have its own little thing to I don't know what to do and say but it's like explore the psychology of this character. Mm-hmm. They're able to do something like that in Marvel with Logan. Yep. Disney owns all that crap now. They're not competing with anybody but themselves. So yeah. they Deadpool's going to be in a Marvel movie and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be he's going to be Deadpool, he's going to be this." No, he's not. Okay. They're going to yeah, they're going to find some way to to yeah. make it very very less of what Deadpool yeah, has I, become. I have a feeling this Deadpool 3, the one that's going to have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, that's going to be the end of that line. It should be. And so I, I always want to end with a with a solution, okay? All right. I think there's an easy way to fix this. If I'm and if you're listening, Kevin, first off, I appreciate the fact that you listen to yeah. the podcast. Thank you for listening to our <laughs> podcast, Mr. Feige. But I think you you just stop. You just yeah. end it. And then you know what? Start over. Yeah. Because well, I don't think anybody cares. Everybody's mad about Spider-Man rebooting, all this other stuff. No. Look, I'm almost 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. If my if you want my son, who's 13, to be invested in your characters, to be invested in in Iron Man. I, he doesn't care about Morbius, okay, or Craven the Hunter or the Marvels. And and I think it's yeah. great that they're giving these these female characters. But you know what he does like? You know what movie he did see? He saw Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He never saw any yeah. Thor movies. He never nope. saw any Doctor Strange movies. Just, you know what? Just sit back, start over, make a couple of movies here or there. <laughs> I think Disney's learned its lessons with Star Wars. And that it's like, you know what? We're not going to make a Star Wars movie every year. We're going to make them, I think Kathleen Kennedy said, we're going to make it when it's right to make one. Well, no, it's interesting you say that. And we've talked a lot about that scene in Endgame where they all come back together and how fulfilling and how cool that was. But I remember after seeing Infinity War, and again, another spoiler alert for people, when Thanos snaps and half the population dies, I remember leaving the theater. My wife and I were talking about it on our way home. And I told her it would be a baller move 
if the people at Marvel just decided, okay, That's every it. superhero who died in that, <laughs> yeah. they're gone. We're not dealing with them anymore. They're, they're not part of our world anymore. They're dead. Let's move on from here. And I thought that would have been great. And again, it was really cool to see them all come back together and all help fight Thanos. But how much cooler would it have been if, I mean, again, Chadwick Boseman died way too young, but Black Panther died in that movie. If they never made another Tom Holland Spider-Man, if they mm-hmm. never did another Guardians of the Galaxy movie, sure, I'd be bummed for like, 10 seconds but then it's oh i'll go see whatever uh, the new captain marvel movie if they're gonna make that or i'll go see i, I maybe i would have been more inclined to see ant-man quantumania if they had done it because paul rudd lived through that so yeah i think i think starting some from scratch would be the best because you're right you have a 13 year old i have an 11 year old my son you know he had iron man toys he had thor toys he had hulk toys but he doesn't care about those he doesn't care about their backstory anything you care i mean all my son cares about now is sports but he loves black panther he likes the x-men like stuff like that i mean and x-men needs to stop making movies like dark phoenix and, and all that all that nonsense but i agree with you i think the best way to go about it is just start from scratch and find you have your Spider-Man, your generation. You have your Spider-Man. You have Superman. I have X-Men. Let kids have Black Panther. Let mm-hmm. kids have that cool stuff that's coming out. Now, I, I agree with you. I think getting rid of this original crew and moving on would be the best thing to do. Yeah, and Big Hero 6, that's a Marvel film. Oh, that's the first movie my son saw in the theaters. Yeah, which is, is something that has been very successful. It's had a TV show. It's kind of been on its own. Don't try to shoot horn in it with all this other crap. No. Legion, the, especially yeah. the first season of Legion, that's a Marvel thing. You would not know it was able to live in its own weird Noah Hawley world that <laughs> he created for it. It was definitively its own thing. It's Next season's got way weirder but you take that first season and it's really really good it works really well something that i think maybe is the best marvel show was the first season of daredevil on netflix okay and you know just this kind of rawness and this uh not superheroes just just crappy people in new york city doing crappy things and it was it, it had this like just kind of grimy, dirty energy to it, which I think was really, really cool. And now yeah. they're going to shove that into their no. into a world where there's a mermaid man with wings on his feet that has vibranium <laughs> all over the place. That's not where Daredevil yeah. belongs. Let these people live in their own world. Well, and just even if you don't want to kill off all these superheroes, make it for different sectors of like, give me the grimy, the gritty Logan Daredevil, who's the guy from that movie Plane who had his own TV show? Oh, uh, uh, Coulter. Uh, John something. Or, yeah. he, or Mike Coulter. Yeah. Had, what was it? I really liked that. He was, uh, no, he was uh, 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 Cage, Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that. Like, give me that grimy and gritty stuff. To be honest with you, you and I talked about it while we took a break here. Watchmen, the TV show, was mm-hmm. great. They did yeah. six episodes and they were out. They're done. Yes. They're not doing anything <laughs> else. Do that. Just yeah. make your, do, tell your story and leave it at that. Yeah, hell, uh, Succession is running on HBO right now, and they and you know it's getting all the Emmys. Everybody loves it, things like that. They said this is it, and yeah. in the case like this is it. Four seasons, yeah. ten episodes each. We're done. I know That's a show my wife really liked was a uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. They sat down, they mapped out this how many episodes we're doing, and that's what they did. Well, just look at stuff like that and then compare it to the American office Mm -hmm. that ran for way, 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 way too long. Or a TV show that's finally going off the air this year, but the Goldbergs. Yeah. That show was great when it started, and now it's just none of those characters look like they're the ages they're supposed to be. So 
get in, get out, move on to the next thing. I think that's the best way to go about it. All right. Well, if uh, Kevin Feige needs to talk to you, Ty, and, and bring you in to redo, redo the MCU, what are, where is he going to find you? <laughs> oh, please, Mr. Feige, if you listen to the podcast, go do something more important because you have more important <laughs> issues. But, no, he and everybody else can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K. That's all lowercase on there. But more importantly, come read my stuff on SeedSync. S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. I do the pop culture, the sports writing on there, everything from movie and music reviews to sports stuff to random nonsense about having a beard and stuff like that. Again, that's Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. You can hear me on the podcast Chucklehead Chat, hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. I've been on a couple episodes of that. He's had some really good ones on lately, especially as one that uh, the cover of it had a disc man and talked about being a kid from the 90s, which I can relate to. So go check that out. But most importantly, listen to the X Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us. Tell your friends about us. Check out our Patreon. All that good stuff. And uh, go watch the tournament if you're not watching it. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that. Seedsing.com, X Millennial Man. I will definitively be watching the tournament. My wife's, my wife's two alma maters, where she got her undergrad at Purdue and her graduate degree at Xavier, are supposed to do well, so I can't wait till Sunday night when they're both out of the tournament that she just, I told you so all night, because I've had to hear it for a week. <laughs> Purdue, Purdue is a one seed. I'm looking at my bracket right now. They should win. Xavier's a three seed, and their first game is against Kennesaw State, which I've never heard of, but again... Crazier things have happened. Do you know what my wife said to me last night? What's that? You know a 16 is beating a one. One time. (laughs) Virginia, And then Virginia the very next year won the title. Yeah. So need to get off that hole. I I was over at our folks' house today getting coffee with our dad, and I think they said the record for 16 seeds is 1 and 147. Yeah. So take that (laughs) as you will. All right. And right now, the Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, Maryland game's on. West Virginia's only up two and eight minutes ago. All right. Bob right. Huggins. I say Bobby, I say Bobby Huggins. <laughs> <laughs> I think I picked West Virginia to win just because of that. So. I think I picked Maryland to win because I'm a Big Ten fan. So. And I, was, I wasn't even here when Huggins was here. That's how much he, <laughs> him and Pete Rose just infect your brain after you spend great. <laughs> yeah, they're ingrained in you even when you move there. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.